This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, when you think of actors, you may think of red carpets, paparazzi, and hefty paychecks, all of it out in Hollywood. But the reality is many actors are barely making enough to get by. And they're not just in California, but in Chicago and other locales around the country, too. Now, as you've heard by now, actors and writers, they're on strike. They're calling for better working conditions and a higher share of the money flowing into streaming platforms and big studios. We wanted to hear more about the effect here locally. So joining us now, Eric Shadrone, executive director of SAG-AFTRA Chicago. The union represents many actors. Hey, Eric, welcome. Hi, thank you. Next up, Alyssa Fraden, SAG-AFTRA member and national board representative for the Chicago Local. Welcome to Reset. Thank you. So nice to be here. And rounding out our panel, Martine Zimmerman, a captain for Writers Guild America West. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So, Martine, I'll start with you. Tell us how WGA or the the Writers Guild, how did y'all get here? And and how many people would you say are affected in our area? Uh, In our area, I think there are a little less than 100 members. I mean, each event we have more and more members come out right. of the woodwork. So that's, we're that's sort true. of... I can imagine. Uh, because uh, a lot of people were relocated here during the pandemic. So we sort of are finding out more and more who all is here. Um, how so how we, do we get to this point? Yes. So um, as you all know, the film and uh, TV industry has radically transformed over the past 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that has, in both in terms of how we consume it and how it gets made. And those transformations have really undermined the ability of workers in this industry to make a middle-class living and to have a sustainable life and really even compromise the future of the industry itself. So uh, I'll go from the writer's perspective. Historically, with a 22-episode season, you had about 12 to 13 writers working 40 weeks a year. And that was so you could be writing, thinking up stories, supervising production, so filming and editing all at the same time. Mm -hmm. When I started writing, for example, on a show like Ozark, which is a show I worked on, we had about seven writers working 20 to 24 weeks a year and then also going to set to supervise. More recently, we've seen the rise of something called the mini room as sort of filming gets broken off from writing and you wait uh, sometimes 18 months or two years between seasons. And that has become really popular during the pandemic in which you have instead of seven or eight writers working for 24 weeks, you would have four or six writers working for four or six weeks with one or two writers kept on afterwards to basically see through the production process. And uh, that has meant that you have writers on hit TV shows who are not able to pay their rent, who are not able to pay their heat, who are on food stamps. Wow. And often they're asked because studios know that it's not really enough labor to be able to write these episodes in four to six weeks with four to six people. They ask these writers then when they're off contract to work for free and tell them, if you're not willing to do this, you will hurt your career. I mean, you write for Ozark and you can't pay your rent? I mean, the the thought of that to some people would be... It's mind-blowing. Yeah, and we, you know, on Ozark, we had a lot, we did have more stability, but between seasons one and two, for example, we had an 11-month break, and so there were writers who, yeah, who had to get other jobs in order to make ends meet, and now things are even worse because we've been squeezed even more. Eric and Alyssa, let's let's hear from you folks about, you know, what's going on with SAG-AFTRA. Eric, you first? Sure. Um, I think that we have a lot in common with the Writers Guild, and that has really helped, uh, really guided us together actually through this whole process we we got involved early when the writers uh went on their strike we came out in strong support not only here in chicago but across the country which has been since what may right that's correct yeah, yeah they went on in may and um we were just really fortunate to to meet up with the, the writers guild folks and we've we've developed a great strong relationship i think it's something that's going to outlast this strike and i um i see it as a as a great sign of unity in the entertainment unions that 
we haven't always always had either here or in Hollywood. So, mm. um, but yeah, so we 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 feel like we've uh, really developed that, starting to develop that muscle to be able to come out and be actual labor. And we feel really strongly about the fact that we're able to bring in a coalition of folks to uh, be part of this effort. And so, um, 5,500 members in Chicago. And um, I think that they are really showing up to all these events, and it's been really, just really, uh, you know, uh, heartening to see it. Yeah, and we've had the, this conversation uh, a couple of times so far on the program, but I do want to throw out that disclaimer that I usually throw out is that I'm also a side after <laughs> member, broadcasters, <laughs> many of, of the journalists here at uh, WBEZ, we are members of, of sag After, but we are on a different contract. So we are not currently on strike. Uh, I just want to make sure that that's out there. Uh, let's hear your perspective, Alyssa. I mean, what's this look like for you here? So as a Chicago local actor performer, I can do a variety of different things. And that's really helpful to our members here. We're not just a niche. We're not all, as you said, high profile celebrities. People will say, what have you done? And I'll say, you probably have never seen me. We're working actors. We're journeyman actors who uh, try to have a middle-class life, but we also know we probably need a survival job or a day job. We'll do a commercial. We'll hope to get the day job on the set about any of the shows that all the shows that are filmed here, mm-hmm. thanks to our incredible tax incentive. And for us, it means the busy season right now is usually the nicest weather in Chicago, and we're not auditioning. Uh, but what we know about that is we're also not seeing the residuals that we uh, usually would have gotten, say, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, right? Yeah. When you had just network and then it turned into cable. And now we're here we are with technology and we're into streaming and we have less opportunity to make a middle class income. I'm going to stick with you. Why don't you explain that to us? Because we have been hearing residuals a lot and not everyone gets it so just explain what that what that means yeah sure uh residuals like musicians which of course sag after covers recording artists and singers as well um means basically a royalty a payment for every time your image or likeness is used on any different platform so i think that is the benefit to my union as a professional union performer i know that no matter where my image or likeness is Mm -hmm. i'm going to get compensated for it um, and as technology grows, my residual base shrinks because not because so you there's get more into streaming. Well, you get more into streaming, but the eyeballs are all the same eyeballs on network. Uh-huh. And now they're moving over to streaming and we're not getting compensated for that streaming eyeball transition. You're nodding, Martine. Yeah. This is your life. Uh, yes. And I would just because people have a lot of questions about residuals. If you think about it, like when you create a TV show or a movie, people don't necessarily know what it is worth when it gets made. So residuals and are... And they just assume you're, you're rich. Yes. And mm-hmm. and the idea is that residuals are, are a reward for a show being wildly successful or a movie being wildly successful beyond what people expected. And in uh, traditional media platforms like network television or cable or a movie theater, you could tell exactly how successful it was because you would have ticket sales mm-hmm. and you would have ratings. You would have uh, the number of times it was rebroadcast were very tracked. And streamers are now refusing to be transparent with that data of how many people are watching it because they don't want to compensate labor yeah. for our work. You talked, Martine, about the transition from writing rooms to these mini rooms. I'm curious, if, if a writer is um, exclusive to just one show, or, or are you allowed to write with other shows at the same time or with other companies? Yeah, so they 
our current or our old expired contract, you had a, they had a hold on writers for a certain amount of time unless you made above a certain threshold. And then they could have a, an indefinite hold on you. So, uh, you know, a lot of people would then have to cycle off and try and find a second and third job just to meet their minimums to get their health insurance. The problem is, yes, they might not have a, an, an explicit hold on you, but a lot of people might not want to hire you if they think that that show might come back. Mm-hmm. And then you might want to go back to the other show. There's a lot of, you know, perception of, oh, you are uh, sort of under the thumb of the show. We yeah. won't hire you. So even if they don't actually legally have a hold on you, they kind of have a, a soft hold on you. Eric, tell us more about the, the stability of, of acting jobs and, and making ends meet. Absolutely. I, it's a, it's, I think that uh, uh, Alyssa and Martine did a great job of, you know, uh, priming the pump on that. But I want to uh, be a little more specific on some things. Um, the thing that we point out to a lot of people when they ask, well, you know, isn't everybody Brad Pitt or Meryl Streep, right? Uh, on any given qualifying period, 87% of our members do not qualify for health coverage. Cost about $26,000 to qualify for health coverage. And in a given year, uh, 87% of our members do not earn $26,000. So, so, so they just won't have health insurance. Is that what you're saying? They won't have it through SAG-AFTRA. So they probably have to get it through a second job or on, on the exchanges or something like that. So that's, I, I think that when you look at SAG-AFTRA, we do have, a, you know, nobody's denying that we have a, a nice one to two percent wealthy class because they've worked hard and made their careers and we were, you know, God love them and we're happy for them. And then we have a middle class working actor, but that's, that's not a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. But then a big chunk of our members don't land enough work to be able to uh, even qualify for healthcare, and this, that's and that's exacerbated by this whole thing having to do with uh, with residuals. I mean, residuals are are like the lifeblood of our members. They, they that's how they you know residuals are how they qualify for health coverage and and all the benefits of our union. Oh my goodness! I'm going to mention many broadcast journalists are members of SAG-AFTRA, myself included, others here at WBEZ as well. But it is only the actors who are on strike right now. Um, so. Uh, the elephant in the room, I want to mention that the, the possibility of being replaced by artificial intelligence like chat GPT, Martine. I mean, how does the show even begin to replace somebody like you with a robot? So the fear uh, for us writers is not that we will be completely replaced by uh, AI. Like that headline blew up, though. Right? Yes. Yeah. It for is obvious the, the fear is that the, it will be used to undermine our pay. So. Um, the idea would be that the chat GBT would be asked to sort of toss out a bunch of premises for television shows so that they would then have the the uh, credit for the created by or the idea would go to chat GPT and not to a human being or that chat GBT would be asked to get out a uh, spit out a first draft, which then a hired writer would polish. A first draft is obviously a portion of a writer's pay. So what we at the Writers Guild proposed when we tried to nip this in the bud as it became very clear that ChatGBT could do this in the middle of our negotiations was that AI is a tool that can be used by writers but should not undermine writer pay and should not replace writers. That mm-hmm. a writer can use AI if they please, but that they can that AI cannot be used to basically replace any part of the process. And we were stunned. We thought that uh, basically this would be a very easy negotiating point and yeah. everyone would come to agreement on this. And like, we yeah, were, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we no. were stunned when the studios were like, this is a non-starter. We will not even begin to discuss this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, is uh, an actor paid by the hour, salaried? How does oh, that work? So or does it depend on the show? Sure, sure. I mean, this is the collectively bargain agreement of the TV theatrical, and I just want to make sure everybody understands. Theatrical meaning theatrical fil- feature film release. And so it's not 
stage or plays. It's not any of that. Okay. So TV and film, um, the, um, actor has a, a, there's a base salary, a base wage. Okay. That's in this collectively bargained agreement. And you work up from those wages. So everything in that contract is basically what's known as scale. And you get your day rate. And depending on how you're hired as the actor, you can get a weekly, you can get a guest star, you can get a co-star, you can get a recurring, you could get a series regular. And all of that is essentially negotiated. Mm. When you get the residual is where you see it. So in the, let's say, the early 2000s, before all of this uh, streaming blew up, we knew the technology was there. We were getting jurisdiction on it. We had claimed that jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. We were still seeing network reruns. You were still seeing a lot of syndication. You were still seeing a lot of, I mean, DVD and VHS rentals. I mean, these things, we adapt, and that's what's so great, you know, as uh, art form writers and actor performers. Yeah. We adapt. We, we are not saying AI is bad. We're just saying we would like to have consent. We would like to be compensated, and we want to have control over what happens. And that is no different than when... Our union, SAG, uh, originally started back in the 1930s. Martine, WGA has been on strike, as we mentioned, since May. What would you say has been accomplished so far, and how much further do we still have to go? Uh, I mean, what has been accomplished is we've shown tremendous resolve and unity. We have gotten tremendous support, obviously, from SAG-AFTRA. We've gotten tremendous support from the Teamsters and IATSE members to show that everyone is behind us. And each time the studios have done something that they thought might break us or break our unity, we have shown ourselves to be more unified than ever. So that is what we have accomplished. And in terms of how much longer we have to go, I don't think anyone knows. The studios walked away on May 1st and refused to make any uh, substantial uh, counterproposals on any of our, our key issues, and they have not come back to the table. Hmm. And can I can I just add one thing to that? Please. Um, and you'll see across the country, and I think it's really evident in Chicago, is that you're seeing a, a unification of the labor movement as a result of this. You're seeing, like, for instance, Chicago Federation of Labor has just walked shoulder to shoulder with us the whole way. So other and, unions have been coming. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Supporting yeah, the you Teachers on. have been out there. and uh, Teachers. And the teamsters. I mean, you've, you've been um, having protests around the city, right? How often have you been holding them? We've had five total now. We've yeah. had five, uh, yeah, five I mean, We try events. to do something weekly. Right. I mean, the WGA did such a brilliant job shutting down all the production. Yeah. <laughs> you can't pick it what isn't there. But I would right. say in order to do that, right, that, we had to have solidarity from Teamsters and IATSE who would not cross picket lines. We had members of SAG-AFTRA picketing with us at 3 a.m. So That was great. That's awesome. It was, it was great unity, and it's, it hasn't wavered at all. It's I mean, what, is it, what does that tell you? I think people are fed up. I think this, is, this, this transcends labor. I think this transcends Hollywood. It, I think people are just overall just fed up with this concentration of wealth uh, in a few hands. And I think this – and people are – we're getting people at our rallies that are not in labor at all. We have people coming out. We have students. We have, uh, you know, just just people that are – we've had people that we were in over by um, Buckingham Fountain the other day, and we had six or eight people I saw walk from viewing Buckingham Fountain and come in and start cheering with us. Oh. So. I mean, wow. things like that, just you know that there is, there's, it's a, there's a resonance that, that hasn't, I haven't seen previously, and I've worked in labor for over 20 years. That's Executive Director of SAG-AFTRA Chicago, Eric Shadrone. SAG-AFTRA member and National Board Representative for the Chicago local, Alyssa Freyden, and Captain for Writers Guild America West, Martine Zimmerman. Thank you so much for being here today.
And we're back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We've been following along the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes, the fight for better pay across the nation. So let's talk more about what this means for Chicago. So shows like Chicago PD and The Shy, they've paused production since actors went on strike, and the effects are being felt in more ways than one. Still with us is Eric Shadrone, who's executive director of SAG-AFTRA Chicago, and Alyssa Freyden, a SAG-AFTRA member and national board representative for the Chicago Local. Joining us now is Jay Nicole Brooks, a local actor and playwright who has been on strike. Welcome back to Reset. I'm so glad to be here. Good Thank to see you. you. I want to start with you, actually. Tell us how long you've been an actress and when you joined SAG. I have been a member of SAG since 2003. My professional acting career began in 1998. Wow. And I started off as a background actor. So I'm definitely here to stand up for the black, back, well, the black too. (laughs) (laughs) Always black. (laughs) There are no mistakes here. I am here to stand up for background performers as well. Yeah. Um, And when you heard about striking, what was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction was yes, let's go. Why? General strike across the board. Well, I think for so many years, I'll just speak for myself personally, I've been a part of this union since 2003. Yeah, 20 also, years. 20 years. And I also joined the uh, Professional Stage Actors Union, which is AEA, in the same year. I've been a union performer writer, multi-hyphenate for all of these years, I can count on one time the number of hands I've qualified for health insurance. I can't count on both hands how many times I've experienced food insecurity and money problems, but it is kind of insane to me to belong to two different unions and not really have much support. So, so you're, you're living... The life that we just we just talked about, or you have lived the life that we just talked about, where absolutely you can be, you know, writing for or acting in a hit show that you know is, is all over the place and streaming here and there and everywhere, but you're trying to make ends meet. To live a sustainable life as a performer is a really difficult job, and then you add on top of it, if you're uh, a multi hyphenate, you think, "Yay, I have better chances." Right. But as you are trying to get into the WGA, for instance, or to be, if you are a member, a lot of the challenges exist. So it does feel across the board that we have to unify. So my first answer was yes, less yeah. strike, even though it's really difficult, but yes. I got to ask you one more question off the top. How do you feel about the potential risks of artificial intelligence or AI taking over and writing your television shows for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Care to elaborate, ma'am? Uh, well, I think that we are dealing with uh, a huge studio uh producer situation where there's a lot of power on their end and there's absolutely no reason why we can't share that power or have a more equitable situation. I definitely as an actor do not want to have artificial intelligence replace my image into Lord knows when. That just does not work for me and it doesn't work for me as a writer. Like either way, it just does not work across the board. You're nodding your head there, Alyssa. You agree? Yeah, I mean, I think the the term artificial intelligence is an oxymoron because really it's human intelligence. We bring, the writers bring in, the actors put the emotion behind. And some people even say it's like plagiarism software because it's taking somebody else's writing and then 
creating something else without, as I had said earlier, the consent. And and really, if we have to figure out what this AI world looks like in our industry, we want to be at the table for that. And we want to make the deal with it. And we want to have that consent where mm-hmm. we say, okay, fine, maybe here, but we want to control it for the life of it. And just, I think one of the, and I'm not on the negotiating team, but one of the offers coming from our, uh, from management, the IMPTP was here's, you know, $500 or whatever for the debt, for the image of a background performer for, you know, possibly in perpetuity. And you're like, how does that compute? That has nothing to do with a share of the profits. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with consent. And where did they get that dollar figure? You know, I, I it might be like, I, I might be a little hyperbolic about it, but it's like, seems like that's what they thought it was worth. And that was a starting point or a counter to. You shouldn't, everybody has to have control of their image, their likeness, their creativity. It's almost like First Amendment to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why would we say yes, just categorically? We had to, as you said, Jay, like, yes, go on strike to protect not only our image and likeness, but the industry going forward has to adapt together. And we have to pivot our contracts, which um, as a member, I've been a member since um, 95. So I've seen a lot of different things happen over the, the course that we've been through other strikes with other unions and you're kind of like, yeah, let's pivot. We yeah. pivot from paid TV. We pivot with cable. Now let's pivot with streaming. And that does not mean giving away our image for yeah. free. So Eric, there are, are several shows, as I mentioned, like Chicago PD and, and the shy that they've, they've all paused production. Mm-hmm. Talk to us more about the downstream effects that that can have. So what I'm thinking about, you know, is not just the actors, but the costume designers, the PAs, you know, the, the mm-hmm. businesses in the city that would benefit from a big production like those. Right. Well, I, I also sit on the Illinois Production Alliance, which is a labor management uh, uh, association, which basically uh, oversees the, the production tax credit uh, for for Illinois, which is if you I don't want to get too far into the weeds on production tax credits, but they're really essential for anybody outside of Los Angeles and New York. If if you're a state that wants to have production, you really do need to have one. Mm-hmm. And um, we've done some studies not related to the strike, but just on the multiplier effect of what, you know, how um, uh, the production work affects our communities, you know, in, in, in Chicago and the rest of the state uh, in general. And the things that we have found are, you know, um, things like places like hotels, um, uh, you know, pe- people doing HVAC repair. Um, it, it trickles all the way down. I mean, you know, uh, the... the the we just had a, a year of almost seven hundred million dollars in production, and imagine bringing that to a screeching halt and what that does to an economy. It's a lot of money flowing yeah. through the Illinois economy. So yeah, it's a. I, I think that that we're in a in a situation where um, this is a painful uh, this is a painful period of time for our industry, but it's one that we really have to. It's 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 either pay now or pay later, and it's going to be much worse if we don't if we don't have a resolution which. factors in the humans, not just in the production, but all the way down the line. The humans. Speaking of humans, Jay, you have been on strike these past few weeks. I mean, how has that impacted your work? I think that um, on one hand, it has emboldened my my thought process that um, actors 
and writers are not just expendable things. Mm -hmm. If we don't stand up now, if not now, when? And so um, on one side, I am continuing my practice just on a personal level. But on the other side, I absolutely refuse to cross the picket line. I absolutely refuse to do anything to go against all of our union siblings uh, because really we want to work to improve conditions for all workers. Mm -hmm. So this is not just about the actor. Mm -hmm. Everyone from when you get to a studio and, and there's someone at the security gate, we want conditions better for that person too. We also realize that this affects so many people, like you said, so this was not an easy decision. Mm. But if we didn't take it now, when will we do it? I want to hear from each of you on, on this. What do you think is a common misconception about this strike right now? I think a lot of people think we're all celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, some of us are not even thousandaires, okay? Do you hear that, dear listener? <laughs> I think a lot of people think that um, this profession is also all about make-believe, but this is very, this is very real, yeah. and we need the health insurance. I know myself personally. I have a chronic illness, so if I don't have health insurance, that means that I can't work anywhere. So I think the common misperception is that we are all rich actors uh, trying to get points on the back end. I don't have a publicist. I don't have <laughs> You know what I mean? What so, back end? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts there, Eric? Well, I, I think there's a there's a misperception that um, that that the AI aspect of this is not that big a deal. I mean, they, especially the way the studio has put it out, it's, it's going to be complimentary. Well, it's not. I mean, it's, it, it, when you talk about Alyssa's point with, with basically taking a background performer and say, okay, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. And in the next 500 movies we do, you might be walking through the scene and we, you don't pay, pay you another dime. And it, when you think about it in that respect, it's, it, at some point, the creativity is just basically sucked out mm. of the industry altogether, and it just becomes a money-making process. And so that's why I was a little bit heartened this weekend and the last couple of weekends to see uh, shows like Barbie and Oppenheimer doing so well because they really, uh, the, I, crazy as it sounds, Barbie really depended on a really great script and really great direction, and it was and it couldn't have been spit out of a machine. It really couldn't have. That's and true. Oppenheimer, on, on its face, you can you can say that it was a beautiful movie. So those types of things really hearten me that that we are making the right argument and we really have i think we have the right uh, i think it, it's the good is on our side i think right i really yeah. believe that you know we've we've seen some prominent names in the industry calling out actors who are still working what do you make of that when you say still working these actors are not crossing the line so i believe what you're speaking about is the interim agreement yes and, and we have to emphasize this it's an agreement it's not a waiver. We have not given up. A waive is to waive your contractual rights. This is actually an interim agreement that is based off of the contract proposal mm -hmm. um, with the AMPTP that um, the negotiating committee, which is representative of members and staff, um, have come up with this interim agreement. And if any producer out there wants to produce a film and you have no association with anybody associated with the AMPTP, yeah. The union will vet it and okay it, and you you sign to agree with those terms. I think what was confusing is, is again, going back to that high-profile concept, as Eric had said earlier in the segment, um, like 1% to 2%. So you know them, 
But then you kind of go, hey, I know that person. Why are they doing that film? What's their name? What were they in? They're just like us, Jay and I, where we're just like, get that job, get some income, and keep going. And so the interim agreement not only is a, a way to keep members working, put money in our pockets, uh, contributions to our pension, health, and retirement funds, mm-hmm. but it's also a strategy to say, maybe studios, when you get down to it, the original content that you want, we're owning it. Our interim agreement is owning that original content. The studios aren't creating it. They're going to have to either buy it and distribute it, but they're going to be held to that interim agreement contract term. So it's, um, I think there's a lot of, not misperception, but miscommunication from yeah. some people out yeah. there. And I always go back to the union, go to sagafterstrike.org and get the facts. Don't rely on Deadline Hollywood or whatever to give you the facts. <laughs> Jay says, no, please don't. We're almost out of time. I'll give you the final word. I mean, I, I was heartened, you know, during the break as you, you were all planning for, you know, tomorrow we'll meet up, you know, at nine o'clock. Like this is real life. This is ongoing. And right now, there doesn't feel like an end in sight, per se. So, I mean, your final thoughts. My final thoughts is that Chicago is a town filled with rich storytellers, whether they are acting, whether they are writing. We also have facilities. So if Chicago does not push, we will never get out of this. So my last words are... Keep going and please stand with us, Chicago. We can do this. All of Chicagoland, all of the country, all of the world. We can do this. Don't give up. Don't give in. That's my final word. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Jay Nicole Brooks, local actor and playwright who's been on strike. Eric Shadrone, executive director of SAG AFTRA Chicago. And Alyssa Fraden, SAG AFTRA member and national board rep for the Chicago local. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great discussion.